Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. Lord, all night Sunday, Central. I'll let you know when we're locked in, sound engineer. <laughs> Fucking Phil Spectrum. We're such idiots. Phil Spectre. Is this Phil Spectre? Spectrum. Phil Spectre. What is, is he the one that killed his wife? Probably. I he know. is. He killed his wife. And That's he has a like television a, producer. And he has like a really or beautiful movie. daughter. Really? Isn't is Regina Spectra? I don't know. I don't know that. Yeah, I don't know anything. I don't know anything either. I don't know anything about that stuff. All right, so, so we, we might as well start. This is the inaugural episode of the Bomb Diaries podcast. The Bomb. I'm I'm happy to be here. Yeah, the first everything I kick off <laughs> first I, bomb straight out of yeah everything that I shovel dirt off of for the inaugural thing I feel like you're going to be a part of. Yeah, well, I'm I'm um, I'm more than willing. More <laughs> so than, more than willing. So the idea of the podcast here is to accompany a little ebook that I'm working on right now, which is I've been doing comedy for just about five years now, and I've made a collection of stories of the weirdest, biggest bombs, craziest nights craziest shows that i've done but i've also encountered a whole bunch of people that have some of my favorite stories i've ever heard from their time doing stand-up comedy and so you have been in the game about eight or nine years now right uh it's about nine years but you know what i'd say it's probably less like i've taken a, a sabbatical here and there so sure. it's like you know i don't know i just i don't know if i'd count it as but nine it, solid years sure yeah not nine but, so, but from you the first time i did my set my first set to, to now it's been about 10 years correct about 10 years so og in the game so you've had you've had a decade's worth of weirdness uh, yeah whole decades worth of bombs very good (laughs) which which not even just bombs but just weird stories like one of the guys that i really want to get on as soon as possible is sam stewart oh yeah he's got a story where he got paid he was supposed to get paid like 200 dollars but the booker paid him in a bag of oranges. Oh, he, yeah, and he I know who a that sack is. Of oran- I, do, I know who it is, too, yeah. and I already reached out to Sam Stewart, so as soon as we get this thing off and rolling pretty well, I'm going right to him to get he's that gonna be, thing Yeah, he's it. next on deck. He's so next. Everybody has stories like this, though, yes. because I think there's this underbelly of comedy where it's just <laughs> like nothing but lies, deceit, and, right. and well, really awkward times. The other thing is I'm trying to be more, take more of a professional approach to this now coming into the fifth year, so I'm trying to get my affairs in order. I'm working on getting a website going right now. Nice. I just got an Instagram, and you know how big of a step that was. Oh for no, me. I I seen your Instagram come across. I, I Chris Flail is new to Instagram. Yeah, and I was just like, how pissed off is Chris <laughs> Flail right now? And I knew that you waited to the last second. Like you, yeah, you were like, did you picture the fit of rage w- that led me to create the profile every time? I'm fu- I'm doing it. Yeah, I'm just doing yeah, it. Yeah, you're just like, oh, uh, everything Fuck you it. do reluctantly. That's like, right. I don't think I don't. I don't you don't like doing anything out of the goodness of your heart. Well, it's I've, all reluctance. I've been on Instagram for three and a half years via your Instagram page. That yeah, you I just, know. You're, but not only mine. You're on a lot of people's Instagram. Am I really? Yeah, like you, you pop up pretty frequently. I haven't for, seen any of the. I have no idea that I was part of the world. Yeah, you have like secondhand. You have a secondhand. I have Instagram. a secondhand like profile. If you were to put it together, <laughs> like if they were to hashtag flail everything on it, yeah. you probably have more photos on there than me. Like I okay. mean, you figure how much how much comics uh, all go the to, comedy yeah, stuff all the yeah. comics have an Instagram and they're all well. That's what I was gonna say though is that so I just created that and I have a lot of people, especially people back home now in Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm from Northeast small town Pennsylvania. You're from here I'm in from here. Bakersfield. Um, Bakersfield. I have a lot of people back home 
who asked me about stand-up and they think about getting into it and, you know, people in town here too. But if you haven't grown up in the world, all you know about stand-up is what you see on Netflix and Comedy Central and HBO. But that is so... That is... 0.1% of not only all the stand-up out there, but even if you became a stand-up and became successful, it's about 0.1% of what your life is going to be like. And then the other 99.9% are the it's, stories that I want to feature on this. Yeah, it's, just, it's like, it's the real, it's still it's the real, like, underbelly yeah. of what, of how it takes to get there. Yeah. And, but this makes it worth doing more than anything else for me it's yeah. not like i remember when i started i drew like daydreamed about the idea of when i would get to perform in a theater and then last year i finally did in a 2000 seat theater but there were only 139 people in oh jeez, <laughs> i don't even think i heard that story like I, but that makes the story way better yeah because there's i'm so much more glad i i'm doing it because you, of stories like yeah that. exactly i think everybody has if you have a comic that's been in this two years, like you're gonna get probably like forty different stories depending on how often that they're working and actually getting time. Right. But it's like that's the stuff that makes it fun. So much fun. Because otherwise it's everything else is dredge. It it's makes driving for... four hours to do five minutes. It's it's not getting paid, it's getting paid in oranges, yes. it's getting iced paid teas. in iced teas and and drinks at the bar and right. tickets and it's like there's you don't, you know, that's, those stories, those are the ones you can tell on the road. Right. And those are the ones that, the, that are the funnest. And those are the ones that everybody wants to hear more about, too. Yeah. So it makes it fun for you. And that's why, it's part of the reason why comedians are so much, in general, on the whole, more fun to hang out with than general society. We were just talking about this. Whenever you hear this, I don't know when you will, but Thanksgiving just passed yesterday. It's Black Friday. Uh, and everyone had to, we, so every year we do... A gathering of the comedians that happens at like eight o'clock at night where all the comics in town get together and everyone does their family errands earlier in the day and as you watch people walk into the place where we have the comedians friends giving you just watch all the shoulders drop and the hair let down and everyone relax like oh god i get to finally just be me and hang out with people that i want to talk to that you're choosing to be in your life yes. and have really crappy food but yeah. have really great conversation yeah exactly a really great time and i was actually thinking about this i didn't go this year but i almost text landon to be like i know you guys recorded a podcast like I know, like is that? I happened? said that. I said that to my girlfriend on the way over. I said, I guarantee you that at some point tonight, someone's going to suggest that we either do an open mic or record a podcast. But yeah. nobody did. I was. Here's the other good part: you is can't just hang out. Yeah, you, you can't just hang. Something. Yeah, this is the first time we've gotten together in months, <laughs> but it makes it worth it. Yeah, and. The cool part was we've, we're in the fourth year of doing this now. So we have a lot of new comics that are in their first year, and they're just excited to get together with the whole gang. But then for some of the rest of us, it's the only time of the year we get together with no bullshit. We don't have to talk about gigs. We don't have to. We could just get together. Like Bruce lives in L.A. now. Uh, he was here when, we, when I started in town. I only get to see him maybe two or three times a year, and this is the only time where we just get to sit around a, a campfire and just catch up on life not and comedy not shows not how you doing gigs right yeah and considering how much everybody sees each other yeah like i would say two to three times a week if you're consistently going to everything you don't ever have those conversations Never. with people like there's people i've known for three years that go that are in the comedy scene i don't know 
anything about <laughs> yeah. them. Like other than you what find they out tell through me, their act. Yeah, like other than what they tell me on stage, it, which I know is a version of the truth. I don't know. And, I couldn't tell you half of their wives and we'll, girlfriends that I've met yeah. many times. And we'll do that to each other off stage. Like if I see you and you go like, "Oh, you just had a baby, Joe. How is it?" You, you'll find out in a yeah, minute. I'll do find, it. I'll do it on stage. Uh, you just you'll hear. About <laughs> I'll do it, it in right a minute. Now. Yeah, you'll get yeah. it. And it's because I think we just, I think as a group, everybody, everybody that that goes to that Thanksgiving, that's how we choose to communicate that's like right that's that's how we get out that's how we tell our story without yeah. being <laughs> well because if you ask me how's the kid or if i ask you sorry if i ask you how's the kid you're gonna i'm gonna give, give you a canned answer you're gonna give me a shallow happen. 30 second elevator answer but if i listen to you on stage talk about it you've spent hours actually given the good rundown of what that is and so, here yeah. and i think here's why it's because nobody cares how my kid is doing like i mean like <laughs> yeah. in reality you know what i mean he like, hasn't told a joke yet that's so you're like right. <laughs> a, it's like a it's like a very surf it's like talking about the weather kind of with each other like we're all in a room and if right. somebody's like hey how the, how's the kid i don't really want to know how the kid's no. doing right they just want to talk to me but yeah. it's like i don't want to tell you how the kid is doing like I'll, you can <laughs> watch it on stage exactly like, uh, and you'll get probably a, a better perspective of how how things are going, and I actually yeah. have your attention at that time. Have you noticed, I feel this way, when you talk to other comics and, and like-minded people, I try, to, I try to describe how different it is to talk to people outside of the world, like, like co-workers or, or just whatever. And, you, and that's the phrase I always use is talking about the weather. But when I talk about the weather with the comic friends, it seems different. Yeah. There's well, a different frequency. I think... Because it's not bullshit. And here's the thing, and I think it's it's not, at least for me, it's not always, it's not always, it, the kinds of conversations I like to have aren't necessarily limited to, like, just comedy people. Right. It's people who are passionate about something. Yeah, Who like there to talk about. Who are switched on. Yeah, yeah, who, like, who have something outside of, like, their, their cubicle life, their eight to five existence. You know, I don't care what it is. I don't care if you're into to planting trees or if you're into dancing or you're into singing opera singers like some of the the best conversations i've ever had are with people who are just really passionate about something and i think that's i don't know man i just it's it's tough everything else seems superficial like yeah. uh i i can tell you how people are going to answer my questions about 40 percent of the times if i ask somebody hey how's it going on a monday they're going to tell me, it's Monday. Oh, how was the weekend? No, yeah. I didn't do much. Yeah, Just hung like, out with the family. It was Mon on autopilot. And Monday and Friday are the two days out of the week when you ask the person how it's going, they tell you what day it is. Like, <laughs> hey, how's it going? It's Friday. Oh, yeah. Almost uh, done. Yeah, Closing out another it's, one. It's Monday. Yeah. Like, you can listen to a conversation like and just play the beats in the tonality of someone's talking. You don't even have to listen. You know when to laugh. Ah, you know, punch. You, you know when to go. Yeah, you know what are you gonna do? Yeah, I, <laughs> I go be, through a whole week on autopilot sometimes. You'd be surprised how often I just zone out mm -hmm. when people start talking. I just go through the beats too, where I'm just like, yeah, yeah. all right, uh huh, and like I have no idea what they're talking about, and I, and not necessarily that I don't care to, like I do. Uh, but I know we're talking about something that it's yeah. we're not. It doesn't. Matter. But they don't know. They think they're crushing in yeah. the meeting room, <laughs> and so they're and they'll all say and like they'll they'll be 
killing in in the cubicles and someone will lean over and go you should put that in your skit yeah and I go, oh yeah I'll, I'll throw that right in that's always the yo you don't you should write, go ahead and talk about that talk about you it. get a oh. lot of material from us don't you but being around and the it's comics, always no it's i love being around the comics man like that's that's it's like-minded people mm-hmm. like different avenues everybody does something different everybody right has a different way of expressing themselves but like there's just something about being around people who are passionate about the same thing that you're passionate about. Yeah. And, you know, even though you're you're at a Thanksgiving, you don't have to talk about that, right? right. Like, but you do. And a group of people who we've all agreed to commit to making fun of life as we live it. Yeah. Which is nice. And we all, on some level, hate each other. Yeah. <laughs> that's, like, that's like the un. And it almost what drives think, our friendship. See, like, I disagree with that. I think that's I think that's old guard. I think that's old school. See, no, but I mean, I think there's a I think there's a competitiveness in a good way. I don't mean like probably. I don't mean that in a probably uh, like in a caddy type thing. I think yeah. it's like 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 it makes people better. Kind Gives of you thing. an edge. Yeah. yeah, and it's like oh, they're doing this. Like oh, okay, I I see what. In an interesting turn of events, I think even that has kind of mellowed out, which we could afford to turn the turn the volume up on a it's little too, bit the, the, there's too much people to have that yeah the, like to, it that works well when there's like 10 to 12 people right I think, and, and we used to we used to have that yeah. and the funny part is there are a few people who i didn't invite to the thanksgiving thing this year because only you and i and bruce would know them and they were around when it was like that when it was just kind of the crucible of kind of com- yeah. competitive we were frenemies kind of thing and they showed up, and I had a good time talking to them. And if I don't, can't remember, I think you were there, and you had a good time talking to them. Oh, but yeah. everyone else just kind of thought they were a couple of dicks, like, who's... <laughs> <laughs> because they were just they were in that mindset. They were yeah. just being kind of mean to everybody. I think there's, uh, I think when your group, that the group is too big. Yeah. Like it's too big to have that. Like yeah. it just, uh, it needs more reining in, like more like a more of a constructive. Um, but I like atmosphere. I, I don't. I, I like the. I like the homeostasis right now. Yeah. But yeah. It, so it seems if like we could tri- if place. we could trim it by if, if we could trim Cut it by fat. just a few, just but people kind of gonna popping in and popping out and and yeah. I mean, it, kind of always at about. T- there's always about twenty two people around, and then there's another fifteen to twenty five that you see every every month or every two or three months or, and they all kind of shift so there's like 12 to 15 who are ride or dies who are at everything there they show up and then the other 35 you just don't know when you'll see them and not only that but like there's also like add-ons and what i mean by that is like there's like 15 20 comics that show up to everything but then like 10 of those have girlfriends or boyfriends that also show up to everything and it's like they're you're, you're married to them too. yeah it's like they're not necessarily comics but they're definitely a part of the scene you know like somebody's wife somebody's and then they're not part of the scene boyfriend. yeah and then they're gone and it's like all right, then what yeah nice knowing you yeah and if it's like a single person like it always gets weird for a bit and then like somebody runs them off or <laughs> something happens like <laughs> right feelings get hurt and uh before you know it you know they're not showing up to anything it's anymore. a new dynamic yeah, so yeah so new, all of that is what comedy's really like, as opposed to the what you see on Netflix and the tight. Well, there's so much hour. downtime, big time. That's the thing that nobody. It's waiting. It's yeah, mostly it's, waiting. It's, it's you wait to get a gig, and then you wait for the date to come, and then you wait for showtime, and then you show up before showtime, and you find out that it's going to start a half hour after that. Yeah. And then you wait, and then you wait till it's your time to go up, and then you do a very limited window. 
and then you just go back to waiting to the next thing again. Yeah, and then you're you're back to the same thing, and it's and like, that's how that's how Im- impressive. That's how much you love it. Is that little bit of time you get to do it is worth all of the waiting and the stress that and, leads up to it. And I thought about this recently because you're big on pointing out the. Uh, Pointing out the fact that if you watch a three-hour football game, you get about five minutes of actual action. Yeah, 11 11 minutes. That's that's an open mic. It's a football game. Oh, yeah. There's three minutes of nothing. I mean, there's three hours of nothing and then five minutes of something. Well, it's three hours. (laughs) It's a three-hour stand-up and open mic is a three-hour football game that's three hours of action, but they're only using a ball for about 11 minutes. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And it's like... It might be a train wreck for most of those three hours. Most of the nights it is. But there's so much downtime, and so because of that, that's what really what spawns, like, being able, like, all the fun stuff happens in the downtime. Like, that's why, that's what, you know, I like, is as bad as it gets sometimes, like, just talking to the comics outside, even though the, even that, I think, is cut, turned into a, um, a no-go type thing. So, crazy stories. You've had, you've been around in and out doing it for a decade we've shared at least two um and the thing is if they were a normal person every store every show would be weird like right. the background stuff going on right. like the waiting like everything would be weird to a normal person or right. just kind of odd or just that would be their story but there's right. so much of those that are just what we consider smooth yeah. That we just forget about. Or That's all gone. Away. Yeah. So do you want to? We can talk about which one you want to. Which one you want to touch on? I'd like to touch on the the Rocktoberfest because I've got my story, but I don't know your perspective of it. So do you want to just volley back and forth? Yeah, yeah. On, let's on let's this? do it. So you want to set up what Rocktoberfest is, and then I'll give my input about what that festival was, what it is, yeah. and just kind of the timing of it all, and yeah. just how everything. And we can just try to Tarantino this yeah. thing of like because I know I know when I showed it. So here's what happened: we were doing a show in Bakersfield at this place called Stramler Park, which is this big, wide open field where they do festivals and events and all those things. And it's it's a big, wide open field. So there's a stage that's about ten feet off the ground. Yeah, it's, pretty it, high. it's a really high stage. And I think you, I, I think what's important to point out too is just a simple fact that like this is Rocktoberfest was booked during a time when I think people were just fatigued with festivals. And what I yes. mean by that is like a week before there was Always. a beer festival, <laughs> the week after there's a wing festival, there's a mac yeah. and cheese festival, there's a bacon and beer festival. Beer's part of all yeah, of it. It's always something and beer. Yeah, it's mac and and che- bacon and beer, mac and cheese and beer, rock and beer, something and beer. hot rods and beer. And th- for one, they're expensive to go to. Yes. The tickets are about $45 and... I think this was it was put on by the radio station, which means that it was put on by a radio station, and that's how we found out about it. Yeah, and the promotion is primarily done by the radio station, right? So unless you're actually listening to those stations, you're probably not going to even know what Rocktoberfest is. Right, well, I sure didn't. So I still don't know. What it yeah, is. <laughs> I still don't know what it was. Ten foot high stage for the venue. Uh, it's outdoors, the festivals in the daytime, and what it looks like is it's four bands, rock bands. So there's a 10-foot high stage, and then there's a little concrete like moshing area or just like watching pit area. And then there's about 50 feet of nothing. And then there's and it felt like 900 feet of nothing. Uh, yeah, and then there's, well, it's actually more than that. I think it's like 200 feet of nothing. And then there's picnic tables that line the side of the football field looking 
uh, field. So there's, there's, it's already set up terribly for and comedy. And you can't move the the tables and chairs. Right. They're fixed to the floor. They're cemented down to the ground. So it's like you can't bring anything close. Yeah. So if you want to talk about ideal environments for comedy, this is the exact antithesis of what is ideal for comedy. It's, yeah, you're right. It's outdoors. Everybody's far from you. Yeah. Um, the drinking you always have to deal with, but like the simple <laughs> fact that they could have had that place packed to the brim, right? And you, were, it was still going to be an uphill battle. And it was the thing started at like twelve o'clock or something right. like that too. Well, that's the idea. Is it was a beer fest of beer slash rock and roll festival, but one of the guys at the time in the marketing department was affiliated with our comedy group, so he thought I got an idea we can shoehorn some comedy in between the music acts. So, yeah, the thing started at 12. I think we were supposed to perform. There was me, you, two other comics, Andrew Boydston and Tad Whaley. We were each going to do 15 minutes from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. And 15 minutes is a lot. Of, that's an it's hour of comedy between the four of us. An eternity. So this is what we're set up for. We're going to do one hour in between bands, get on, get off, let the festival continue. So I always show up early to shows, painfully early. So we were supposed to perform at three. I showed up at two because I wanted to check out the festival and see what was going on. There's a, the field has, the parking lot is beneath the field. There's a fence and kind of underneath of it is the field. And I pull into the parking lot and as I get out of my car, I hear on the PA system, this is at 2 p.m., <laughs> I hear Andrew Boydston's voice emanating from the PA system. I hear him doing his act. And so I realize, oh God, they booked, they put, threw him on stage an hour early, at least. Uh, yeah, it started at, at least an hour early. So who God knows how long he's been up there. So I know as soon as I I know I'm the earliest person out of the rest yeah. of us. Yeah. I didn't get as there soon, a little later. As soon as I walk into that festival, I'm going up on that stage. So I just sat in my car for an hour. Yeah. I wouldn't go I wouldn't Was do it. Was it an hour? Like you sat in there a whole hour? I sat until two fifty eight. Were you contemplating I, just leaving right then? I thought about it. I thought about just leaving, but then I was hoping to catch you guys on the outside and we could all walk in together. And we could all just figure out if we just didn't want to do it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll all exactly. Just leave. We'll all so, just wave the white flag together. And I walked in by myself, and the first person I saw was the marketing person we knew, and he was trashed. He was, he was yeah. uh, already. And so I'm like, oh, shit, the only guy who cares about us. Because the other radio people didn't know us at all. And probably didn't even know we were doing it. No like, idea. I, bet. I don't I would even bet. know if they we weren't on a flyer. We like nobody knew comedy was gonna happen. The only guy who was concerned for our well being <laughs> was hammered. <laughs> so and Boydston's already on stage and he did the he did an hour. I believe this was three years ago. And he did an hour. He was up there the whole he did at least at least forty five to fifty minutes. And there when I walked in uh, the the amount of people listening to the show were zero. There was nobody in front of the stage, and maybe a dozen people at the picnic tables, and it was all kind of just like like hillbillyish folks and, that did not want. And comedy. not only that, it was not a successful festival, let alone like the comedy portion of it. Like they're just they were thinking that they were going to get thousands of people at this festival because hey, it's Rocktober, it's beer. 
It's Scrambler Park. Like, it's a good time. What more do you want? Yeah, and about maybe 200 people showed up. Maybe 200. Yeah, maybe. throughout the day. Yeah, that were Not coming during in and the out. Pr- yeah. yeah. So Boydston gets off, and because none of us were there yet, they threw the bands back on. So I walked in while the bands were starting to play again, so I knew we, had a, we, we were going to wait until like four to go on now. And so when did you come in? I can't, all right, when I walked in, first and foremost, I I knew this was going to be a disaster to begin with. Yeah. Um, I knew it was going to be, it was eventually just going to be hopefully a good story. <laughs> um, okay. So you knew from the get-go. I knew go. from the get-go. I was like, still a bit naive because I was only a year oh, and a half it. in. I could smell it from a mile away. For one, <laughs> um, the guy who asked us to come out, I, I kind of figured he didn't tell anybody that he was going to have comics there. Like, it was just... Hey, what can I do to fill the time while the band's set up, right? Yeah. And I show up at, you were already there when I got there, so it had to be at least two o'clock. Yeah. And I I look at the parking lot alone and how not populated it was. <laughs> how easy it was yeah, to get a spot. I, didn't, I had no problem finding Front parking. Front row, yeah. It was like, you can hear, a, they have a batting cage right next, right next to the park. <laughs> you can hear people smacking home runs like bing it wasn't us yeah, it wasn't us it wasn't us smacking <laughs> home runs but you could sit inside of the festival and you can actually hear people hitting balls from like 400 <laughs> yards away and yeah, so yeah. that's that's not the background of the kind of comedy <laughs> that you want and just the parking lot man i knew it was going to be a disaster and i think the guy that we knew who put us on the only reason why he was hammered is I think he had some kind of stake in it, and it was like, oh, this is no. going bad. Like, and oh. he's like, well, I might as well just get hammered, right? And it seemed like it could have been a good time had people known about it or how I, – I don't know exactly what went wrong, but right. like well, I said, even if the festival was successful, the comedy portion of it was going to be an uphill battle, period. And that is that is a good distinction to draw between us because, again, I was only about a year and a half in, and this was a big learning experience for me because I got – I was still naive to where I got dazzled by the selling points of it as opposed to the reality. So when I heard about the gig, I heard we're doing a festival for the radio and we're going to be with rock bands. All the buzzwords. On on a big stage. That sounds, if I called home and said, hey, I just got a gig to work for a national radio program, uh, national, like, you know, you know know how you bullshit. Yeah, yeah. It's the local station, but you <laughs> the know, the number how you one radio station. Back home, we only have one radio station that comes in on the frequency. So I'm, I'm not on local radio. I'm on the fucking radio. I'm on the you're radio. On the yeah. only state. One hundred one point nine T one hundred two is all we got back home. If you're listening so, to the radio, you're listening to that. Because there is on no the, other radio. If you're on the radio, you're on the radio. So it was. That's it. So I hear that. And I'm like, oh, good. But what I didn't hear was again day gig outdoor gig festival gig yeah. <laughs> again uh stage where no one's going to be around us gig and and venue show for something else that we're doing comedy it's not a comedy festival it's a festival for everything else but comedy and and no one who's showing up to the festival is going to know that we're going to be doing this yeah nobody and see, I, I picked up on it from a mile away. I just kind of figured like everything, well, for, I worked in radio before and I knew it, it's not the most um, put together kind of work environment. Uh, most of these festivals are put together on a whim 
and they're put together with no budget other than like trading off airtime for for goods so like i know <laughs> that it, it's just not going to be successful so if you haven't done comedy before picture picture that you have to give like you, you're preparing for a presentation or that someone told you to get ready for and then you walk in to give the presentation and nobody at the meeting knew that you were going to do this they were there for something totally different and you have to do that for an hour but i, I knew it was not going to be an environment for for us to be successful for anybody to be successful and most radio gigs are like that like most anything oh, okay. anytime you're doing anything for radio i mean the chances are it's not radio has no reason to sell comedy like they they do music they always do music that's what they that's what makes some money and comedy is the exact opposite of what music is where you know it's not a background thing you actually have to listen you have to be there for it yeah and you have to have like all these environmental things in your control which being outdoors is just not you're yeah, never you going to be successful you can't go oh that was a nice dinner and that comedy in the background sounded pretty yeah. good there you can't there's no ambiance with yeah comedy. and especially like with the kind of comics that were actually at this thing so myself yourself andrew boydston and tad yeah, local, yeah it's it's not even the kind of comedy you can just jump into at any point and, and yeah it's not like a darren carter the party starter where he can make a mixtape with his comedy yeah. and get everybody engaged we're we're working on references long, and, yeah, <laughs> in our long, lives and boydston's throwing 90s video game shit yeah, in there and they're form. like come on man come on yeah, you pull know out the guitar not, you know who's not watch or playing 80s video games anybody who goes to rocktoberfest exactly so the so who they were there to see the band that goes up right before now we will go up is this band called the aviators and they're amazing they're fucking amazing it's this regional band it was the last time I've seen them. They're at Timbler tonight or tomorrow, actually. They go. So they're, they're everywhere. They, they're they every, play every every place I want to play. They're there. So they, <laughs> they got up. There. They got up for this twelve-person crowd and annihilated like it was Madison Square Garden. They come out and they play Blue Oyster Colts, "Don't Fear the Reaper," but instead of the cow, you know, the famous Saturday Night Live cowbell, uh, but instead of the cowbell. The lead singer walks out and has what's called a cow belt. And how would you describe what a cow belt it is? It is exactly what it sounds like. It is a, uh, I don't know what the, what is, is it? It's a cowbell and it's attached like a, to it, a belt. Yeah, it was like a drum kick factioned into a cowbell that hung from a belt to look like a gigantic metal penis. Yeah. And he tied that to his waist and he would gyrate his hips like he was humping the air and he did that to the beat to do the cowbell song that's how they started and they loved it everybody and, i loved it i loved, I loved it. it yeah it 3 was p.m good. 3 p.m that's how they started they had this dude in like a silver like a spandexy suit he had a wireless guitar that he jumped on one of the picnic tables and was waving his junk in all the ladies' faces. You sent me a picture of that. Yeah. You have, I still have, yeah. Actually, you can have the photo, so you can put it on Instagram. It's so good wanna. to have that because sometimes when you tell these stories, you feel like you're full of shit. You feel like it didn't happen. And then I'll ask one of you guys, hey, do you have anything from that? And you'll send the picture, and I'll go, oh, it was even it more ridiculous yeah, than I remember. And I'll share the photo with you again so you can put it on your Instagram. Please so do. people are, are curious to see what this actually looked like. This band was amazing, though. Oh, like they so rock good. everywhere. Like yeah. they, 
They played this set so well that they got called out for an encore, but not one of those like you go to the Tim McGraw concert and he says, all right, everybody, have a good night. Thank you. But all the lights stay off. And so you can't even go to the exit if you want. Like he's obviously wants us to ask him for an encore. And even if we don't, he's going to do it. They had somewhere to go and the crowd made them stick around to do their to to do their encore. They were on their so they, way to Anaheim. Yeah, they came out and they played an encore and like women are like I think women are throwing their panties on stage and like they it wasn't the panties that they it wasn't panties they brought for throwing. <laughs> it was like like real panties. It was a real so thing. They go out and play the encore and they say, "All right, good night Bakersfield." And they crowd calls them out again to play an encore. And the lead singer comes out and says, "Yeah, we really we have to go to Anaheim. I'm really sorry, but we can't stay. We'll play one more song and leave." Played a song, annihilated the place, and just left the cloud of dust, peeled out in their van and left. Yeah, and, then, and played then, the last song like their van was running. Like that's how fast they had to go. And and we're we're sitting at the picnic tables, horrified. Everyone except Boydston, you, me, and Tad, knowing that we have to follow this. Yeah, and uh, I think that's when you left. No, <laughs> Did you it, leave it after was that? right after that because the marketing guy that we knew gone on stage and he was barely forming syllables at this point, let alone sentences. And he grabs the microphone. And he goes, "All right." You guys just heard some music, and the crowd goes, yeah! And, and this guy's not exactly the kind yeah! of guy who should be hosting a Rocktoberfest. No, he's, <laughs> he's not Rocktoberfest No, material. not at all. And neither are any of no, us. No, none of us. We all we all Except stood out. Except kind of Tad. Just, Tad's kind of rock and roll Jesus looking. He dude. he he's definitely the. He is rock and roll for sure. Yeah, especially now. So he so this guy gets up and he goes, "All right, guys, you heard music." Who, right, who's ready for comedy? And and they all go, no. And there are these there are these cute uh, young girls sitting next to us on picnic tables. And he goes, and when everyone yelled no, <laughs> the guy goes, oh, come on now, you, who's ready for comedy? And everyone again goes, no. And the girls next to us go, fuck you. <laughs> And that's when I stood up and I looked at you and I said goodbye. Yeah, I'm and you left. And I and I try to keep. I try to get you to stay. And reason being is because one, if don't quit, don't quit. Yeah. And also, if I have to go through this, I have. To and go it's one of those it things where it's like you. I did feel bad too. Any other scenario, I would have stuck in there. There's just something happened in my brain that went no, and not it's, today. And you made the right call for sure. <laughs> like you made. I wish I would have left with you. So next was Tad, and I didn't get to see his set. So what happened? Tad, well, to begin with, Tad is a very uh, cerebral comic, I guess. Yes. Like he's very like An like Andy Kaufman esque. Yeah, like, definitely. He definitely de unique. Yeah, like and he, if he's not on a sitcom someday, it's it's a crime to humanity. And he's uh he does really well in small rooms. Not that he can't do a big room, but I mean, like, there's something about watching Tad in a Gather small together. room. Yeah. Jamming together and let the calamity yeah, ensue. Yeah, and he just, that's just where he thrives, man. Like, it's, you can pick up the small things he does, uh, exactly. his little piece of paper that he has on stage that he's never looking at. <laughs> he but he crumbles just up and throws yeah, at the crowd. Yeah, he throws at the crowd. And there's just something, there's a beauty about watching Tad in a small room. And uh, there is a horror in watching him <laughs> at Rocktoberfest. Well, for one, knowing I have to go up after Tad. Uh, for two. <laughs> so if they don't, if, if it doesn't work for him, it definitely ain't working yeah, for either and, of us. And Tad's voice doesn't carry well in a okay. big, in a big, uh, in, like in, at a park in a in a cavern. Yeah, and uh, he goes up, 
And I want to say he couldn't even find the mic at first because there's like four <laughs> of them. Well, and this yeah, the stage is huge and it's almost enclosed. It's and there's it there's an equipment awning. behind you. Yeah. There's a whole sound section off to the left of the right. stage. Yeah, they're taking down equipment while Tad's exactly. on Exactly. Yeah, they are. They're actually breaking down the aviators. <laughs> they're breaking down whatever the aviators brought with them. And Tad's so every couple up minutes. There. So is it like every couple minutes an aviator walks? No, out it's the like, crowd's like, yeah. Not even. It's like the the aviator road crew, like the guys. Oh, okay. They here, have roadies. Well, no. Here, I think what happened, if I had to guess, it's the aviators had a whole van full of stuff, and so I think the aviators come with their own equipment. Like there's a certain like they're very. If I had to guess, they're very particular about the 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 stuff they use. Uh, they know what's going to make them sound good. They have stuff that they're comfortable with, and. They had to take all that down and put it in the van. And so Tad's up there, and they're doing two things. They're taking down the aviator stuff, and they're bringing up the stuff that the rest of the bands are going to use. The next band. Yeah, so like they're kind of changing, like they're, they're oh. changing dressings in the background is what's going on. Tad's up there in typical Tad fashion, like a flannel and shorts. And <laughs> tough crowd. He is tough yeah, crowd. he's just not doing well. And like... It, Tad's one of those people that like he never looks shook, no. like because. But at this time, he's only a year. Yeah, in. he's only a year in, and it wasn't set up to be successful. And he does. I want to say he did the the full fifteen minutes. I bet he did. Yeah, but he will. there was absolute like nobody was listening. Like I can't say he did well. I can't say he did bad. Like people just didn't weren't listening. Well. Yeah, and he didn't have the voice to actually bring people in. Uh, so people were just like drinking the whole time and not paying attention at all. The Which only people probably paying the attention, case scenario, yeah, is us. Like yeah. me and Andrew Boydston. So like Boydston's like laugh. Like Boydston's the only person you can hear laugh. Yo, Boydston is such a generous laugher. He is. He is sometimes a guidepost at open mics. Like he's so good to have around. This is what it sounds like. You hear Boydston just ha ha, and then. Ping. Oh, like put. <laughs> no, just the bats in the background from the. Oh, the the, the batting cage. And so, like, Tad comes off, and I want to say uh, <laughs> the guy we know who, who was hosting for us, he comes back up, still trashed. Like, yeah, you're not getting more sober. Yeah, it, he was he was done. A band plays. Oh, so they, between Tad and you, another yeah, band Yeah, that's play. all we were, is we were supposed to, what I, I want to say what happened was, Somebody showed up late, which is why Andrew Boydston did a whole hour up front. And I didn't catch really much of anything of Andrew Boydston's set. Um, I caught the whole thing and, <laughs> in the parking lot. And I'm sure he thinks he did really well. <laughs> he enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, he had. He, a, he always has a good time no matter what. But we were supposed to be the in-between. We were meant to have people setting up equipment behind us yeah like we were just something to keep some you know to keep everything going i don't think i ever introduced you by the way this is joe alanese veteran comic in town how's it going uh so we were meant we were never going to be any kind of actual entertainment just kind of filler i mean best case scenario something for people not to laugh with but to laugh at was the band that played between tad and you any good they were kind of grungy from what I remember, it was like a little bit okay. of a grunge bench. So Tad could have stayed up there and picked up a bass guitar. Yeah, and they, no one would have known. They it. do, yeah, exactly. And it's like exactly what you pictured a grunge band music 
to sound like. It's like they did some cover songs that everybody loved. Um, they didn't rock it like the Aviators, but they definitely did a pretty decent yeah, job. No one ever has rocked it like the <laughs> Aviator. And that band's done, and then they they call me up. There we go. And here's I, now I'm on my ride home, feeling bad, like I shouldn't have left. Like yeah, you should have stuck and around. Y- at the same time, you're being called up, and what happened? And I, well, first and foremost, I I'm I'm excited. I'm excited just because like I know. You're gonna try to win them. I already, I was gonna try to win them, but I knew regardless, if I didn't do well, it wasn't oh, on me. Off. Like yeah, like it's they've already booed everybody, and so and I'm I'm gone. I'm not even gonna see it. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> Boyson Boyson definitely won't know if if it's a train wreck. Nobody's paying attention. He's too optimistic. Yeah, nobody's paying attention, and so like, I just took it as a as a free play. Right, yeah. like a good old football free play. Like yeah, I'm gonna try out some new stuff. I'm gonna just <laughs> the crowd jumped off sides. Yeah, just, <laughs> go I'm down just gonna field. go down the field with it. <laughs> and I go up there, and I guess something I should mention that had been happening more. What happened during Tad's set is Tad took a dump on the whole crowd. <laughs> like Tad was making Which fun there of there almost was none. Yeah, like he was making fun of the festival. He was talking about how there was nobody there. Right. Um which you have to do. Tad the the crowd wasn't big, but Tad probably had more teeth than the crowd. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so I go up there and so I was like, "Okay, I obviously you have to address the fact that nobody's done well. You have to address <laughs> the fact that this festival is that's like first and foremost probably my brand of comedy like i'm more observational so like i always start out with something observational what's going on in the room what's happening let's let's find a way to connect right off the back i go up there and i start talking about how you know i don't know exactly word for word but i was also kind of making fun of the festival and i was actually doing okay well he was making fun of the crowd i was making you were making fun yeah, of the i was festival. i was making fun of the the establishment the, yeah <laughs> he was making fun of the employees yeah. you went I after went, management i went after the big people yeah and <laughs> i'm actually doing okay like i'm doing okay enough and what i mean laugh. by okay is i on any other given day this is the it is not fun i can barely hear people laughing but what i mean by doing okay is i wasn't getting booed like there was, it was as neutral as can be. There were no, there were no twenty-year-old girls at the picnic table yelling. Yeah, nobody was cussing me out, and I feel like I, I almost, I, for like a quick second, I, I almost felt like okay, I can at least salvage something. Meaning, like, anytime you do a show, anytime you show up to anything, regardless of how it goes, you always want something you can salvage. You, you want something some. you can bring away with you. Like you learned something, <laughs> you tried out a new joke, you did something that made that three hours of waiting worth it you did something that was meaningful even if it you just even if it's a tiny win like you try to take that and i was almost getting to that point and i was right in the middle of a joke and nothing they just cut my mic absolutely like i i no explanation i took time out of my saturday to go to Rocktoberfest. Yes. How many? How long were you into your set? I, mean, I was probably not even two minutes in. Not even okay. two minutes in. And <laughs> so your mic just cuts out, and there's no one. No, you don't see anyone explaining anything. The the mic cuts out, and then music starts blaring from the speakers. Oh, immediately. Shit. Like my like it was like simultaneous. Like my mic cut, and then bam, I Can hear music. See, can you see anybody working controls anywhere? No. 
Because they're off to the left. So, like, if you move around the stage a little bit, like, you can probably back up enough to actually see them. But you can't see them from where you are. No. Like, I, I can't see them from where I'm standing on the stage. And I actually have a photo of me. I took a photo right before my set started, and I, I probably made some comment on it, like, I'm about to have the best set of my life or something. <laughs> and I haven't. And what it is is it's from the perspective of the stage, and you can see nothing. So I'll, I'll share that photo with you, too. Please do. And God damn it, I love comedy. <laughs> so they cut the mic, and I'm – there's very – I've never really been upset in, in any kind of – comedy situation in any yeah, kind you, of performance you situation i go with the floor. yeah for the most part i i, I keep i keep even keeled in any in any environment but i was genuinely pissed off like i was genuinely you felt like you got worked over exactly and on some level hurt because you know it's one thing that if things aren't going well if the comedy's not working like that's fine but it's just so disrespectful to cut off a mic and when people are actually listening, like I actually had people listening and a little bit of people were laughing and then the mic just cuts off and all the music starts blaring. Right. And it's just like, you know what? Like you're, you're not like, I just felt I, I've never been so upset in a, in a comedy Dis- situation. Extremely disrespectful. Exactly. I, I took hours out of my day. I was trying to get you to stay. I was, I sat through my friends being booed. I sat through somebody swinging a cowbell in front of my face cowbell cowbell be respectful i i sat through just the dredge of it all and i was looking for my one thing that i can take away i was looking for one my meaning what my one meaningful thing that i could just take with me go home and make it feel like i can justify just spending five hours at rocktoberfest for 15 minutes and they cut it just absolutely nothing. Just left me with nothing. And so your next step was? I slammed the microphone Shattered into it. the concrete stage. Spiked that bitch. And all I hear from the side is, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking at the sound guy, and the sound guy is looking at me because I just slammed down what like a $250 microphone. Yeah. Right? Like the aviators type microphone. Sure. And they're pissed at me. Somehow right. I'm the bad guy right. for slamming their $250 microphone right. after they cut my mic, after they have me take the same. Not only me, my friends. Right. Like We were all sitting here doing you guys a favor. Nobody's getting paid. It's $45 to get in. Nobody's getting paid anything other than our 15 minutes of time. And we're not, paid in time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and You're paid by getting to work. I just left. I... I I I left. I think like, you called me on your ride home. And I, yeah, and I didn't leave in a storm or anything, but I was just, just like, I'm out of here. Like this is, and I I said a few probably parting words about the festival. Uh, I talked to the guy who had us there, and I said, "What the hell just happened?" And he was like, "Oh, well, you know, you guys." And he threw it on us oh. as a collective that we were not being respectful to the show or to the to the festival. Oh, because you were making fun because of it. Because we were making fun of it, right? And this this is a person who is a comic, which is what I mean, a drunk comic. But <laughs> but to me, I was like, look, you know what? But this conflicted, is. he was paying his mortgage by them. Exactly, like he labor of love. With he, us. Yeah, he was. He he was. He's not, only become. He's only become. 
more endeared to the group once he left that job. Yeah, because then no barriers were in the way. Exactly, and I think the re- it's because there was a competing interest there. Yeah, there was. He wanted this festival to be successful, and here, here we are dumping on the festival with with a microphone. In and our he's hand. the one that sung our praises to get us in there. Exactly, but you're gonna have comedians. We our job is to roll our eyes at whatever is going on and address the fact. Like you, it's the elephant in the room. Yeah. You have to say something about it. it. Absolutely. Yes. There's just if it sucks, it's our job to say it. Yeah, sucks. you're not doing your job if you don't address They're the gonna fact win- that there's 12 people here. You're gonna let the tension off the crowd to to just go like, yeah, it does. Yeah, suck. it's just, and then they'll enjoy themselves. Yeah, it's just like, hey, look, there's this awkwardness. Let's talk about it. Let's get over it, and then here are some jokes, right? There's so many times when hosting a show or going up at the end of a show, if it's a train wreck or if it's just been a disaster all night. I'll go up and I'll just look at the crowd for 10 to 15 seconds and I'll just breathe into the microphone. And by breathing, everyone everyone just kind of like, he knows too. I've seen you do that after bad sets or after just somebody that gets really blue. And it's for, it's just a nice okay. Well, we're not it's let's let's let there everybody out here. you everyone acknowledges whatever happened and this what's about to happen could be just as bad and if it is we can kind of laugh at that. Yeah, and the thing was is like it, it was just really disrespectful for one, but for two it's like the only thing I asked for and probably the only thing any comic at like our level asked for is like can we take something away? Yeah. You know, and it was Give like, me the time. and it didn't happen. And it was just probably, I want to say probably a top three to four worst comedy experience for me. Here's the best part from my end. It actually turned out into a nice experience for me because the marketer was so drunk. I was supposed to go up after you. So it was going to be Boydston already gone. It was supposed to be Tad, you, and then I was going to go up after the marketing guy was so drunk, he didn't know I left. He thought I didn't get to go on stage. And probably because, apologized. And not only that, but worked his radio people to get me scheduled to open up for uh, a, a national comic when he came into town to play like a 250-seat venue. And we we did that show and kind of hit it off. And like the radio people and I hit it off. So this past year, they asked me to open up for him again which there was, by the way, there was all there was another issue that happened. Like the t- it was when all the ticket sites were hacked, so they couldn't promote a whole other thing. But anyway, uh, so I got two good huh? gigs out of it and met like this good like Bob and Tom comic and like we. And you left. Was it a Scott? Would it, I can never say the guy's name. But anyways, that's beyond. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's like, and what happened was for a while, actually, I, I think I was upset enough to actually cut that comic out of my my uh out of my life not necessarily my life he was never a big part of my life well there's the follow-up is i learned my lesson about a year to a year and a half later he reached out to me i think it was his last radio gig that he and did and i know exactly what you're what you're about to say tell me tell me what it is the hockey gig the hockey gig do you want to explain what the hockey gig was it is uh it, it's something to get you riled up as a comic uh, in the same thing presented but this one the carrots to this one are even better yeah it was but the sticks are even yeah worse. it was at a stadium it was at a and stadium I'm not, we're not talking about a uh minor league An arena baseball stadium it is outdoor arena it is a it is a full-on probably fifty thousand seat stadium Right, I, out outdoor. It was an outdoor arena. It wasn't it at the. Uh, it was at the Bakersfield College, um, 
football it's stadium. Huge. And Bakersfield College actually has the most expensive junior college stadium in California. And it looks like an NFL level stadium. The event was billed as that the comedians would be opening for, and this was the outdoor hockey classic in the name of Wayne, Wayne Gretzky. Gretzky, 99. The great one. The greatest hockey player of all time is coming to Bakersfield, and the radio is asking you, yeah. me, Andrew Boydston, and somebody else to do the it. Exact same the people. exact same lineup. And it's the same thing where, hey, you know what sells hockey? Comics. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? No people, one knows they're going to be there. In, in reality, it's like we get asked to do all these things, for one, because we never ask to get paid, and for two, in theory, if you don't do comedy, it sounds like a good idea. Yeah, it is. It, it, yeah, you can easily get sold on the glitz of it. It's And so it's the marketing really, guy, yeah. he reached out to me and told me that. I said, when is it? He told me the date. I said, oh, sorry, I have to go out of town for work. I didn't. And then he goes, oh, it actually got rescheduled. We're doing it a couple of days later. I said, like, wouldn't you know it? So did my work thing became days later. And the too. funny thing is that was my makeup gig. That was your makeup yeah, gig? Yeah, it was like, hey, I'm sorry about Rocktober. No, you no, do I didn't it? do it. No, okay. no. I, what did I, you tell him? I just said, I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm, I'm busy. I'm not, I didn't tell you what it is. Hey, I know. This is this is how much, how, I just like, I, 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 I didn't learn my lesson. I knew from the beginning that Rocktoberfest was going to be a disaster. I just, you just had, you just didn't have it in you to take the beating on the hockey night. Well, no, like I knew if I showed up, I was going to get to hang out with you. I was going to hang out with Tad. I was going to hang out with Boyston. All those beautiful things that make comedy, like just hanging out with my friends. But the second, in the, the makeup gig was that particular person reaching out to me and being like, hey, I'm sorry about Rocktoberfest. Let me make it up to you with Let outdoor me. hockey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got something for you, man. It's in the works. It's in the works. And it ended up being the hockey thing. And I Here's was like, the best no. part. The hockey thing started. Let's. I don't remember the times perfectly, but but f for the sake of the story, I'm pretty sure this is what it is. The hockey game was scheduled to start at 8 p.m. Right. I think it was. It was a night game. They booked the. They booked four comedians to do like 10 to 15 minutes each at either 5 or 6 p.m. I don't know if you know anything about sporting events. But people don't show up to the arena three hours before the event. No. So they technically did open for the Wayne Gretzky Classic. However. Nobody who went to the Wayne Gretzky Classic actually knows. No, no one at all, except the grounds crew. Boydston told me he told, there, I said, how did you do? And he said, well, there's one time I told a joke and about 15 seconds later I heard one of the grounds guys laugh because he was that far away. And it's like, how do we get round? Like, how do we even get tied into this? Stuff? I know. And the thing is, is like, I think, I don't know how many of the comics had the awareness enough to know that that wasn't a good gig, right? Like <laughs> no. that. But the no. thing is, is on some level everything's for show because everybody well, was posting photos of their set at the Wayne Gretzky Classic, yep. but you didn't see a single photo of the audience. You, you know, you know when you don't see pictures. Here's all right. If you see pictures of the audience, the whole audience, it was a good show. If you see pictures of portions of the audience, it was a lightly filled show. It was okay. It was our right show. If you see pictures of only the stage, 
nobody was there. Yeah, there, was there, were nobody four, there. There were four people there. They were all dating the comics until the night ended, and then they were going to leave us all. Yep. That's exactly, you know, if, if you see no pictures, that's better than seeing only stage pictures. Yeah, there's... Because if there's a crowd, God damn it, do we want to yeah, show you that there every was a crowd. single comedy photo I have on my Instagram is... Like, the crowd. Yeah, the crowd. If it's a good mm-hmm. show, you could tell it's not a good show if it's just me. <laughs> or it's just my friends. <laughs> yeah. and it's just like, there's just more of, you have to take that stuff, though. It's like the good with the bad. Like, the, without, the, without the bitter, the sweet ain't so sweet. Like, that's, that's right. what makes actual good yeah. games work. I mean, he, here we are. Yeah. That's what this whole podcast is dedicated to. It gives us something to talk to. about, and it gives us something to talk about on the road. And it we, we're a little bit wiser to it. We're, uh, and we've been talking for 40 minutes or so on this story. Trying to talk for forty minutes about a show that was well set up and you got up and crushed. Yeah, there's nothing. You don't even remember it. It's boring. You get a couple of high fives from yeah, yeah and then, like that's about it. That's it. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I'd rather do that for the. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would rather do a smooth show. But there is kind of a thing now that when you go through one of these, that we're kind of looking at each other like, oh yeah, yeah. this is gonna be. We'll be talking about. And this the thing for is, you. is like now we, now. Like, there's a certain, okay, for instance, like, you and I did a show in, was it Hanford? Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, we, we did two? We did two shows in Hanford and Visalia, right? Mm-hmm. We thought both of those shows were going to suck. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, we, on the drive especially up after, there. Especially after the first yeah, one. Yeah, on the drive up there, we were like, okay, this is going to be, Yep. It, and, it's going to be rough. And then at the second one, we walked into a full room of what looked like was going to be Roadhouse. Yeah, that was going to be, we thought that was going to be, but it ended up being a good time. So much, one of the best One of the crowds. better shows I've probably been at in the last oh, two years. Yes. They were such a good crowd. They were so generous and, and, and smart and welcoming, and you never expected But Rocktoberfest makes us lower our standards. Yes. <laughs> like, which is kind of a good thing, because when we are surprised by something great that happens to us, That's it's right. like, oh, this is amazing. But, but without Rocktoberfest, we would have been intimidated by that that Hanford barbecue shop. Oh yeah, because it was kind of the same. And we wouldn't have given them what they deserved, and they wouldn't have been as good of a crowd. But since we had done place enough places like Stramler, we walk in and we go, "Oh fuck you guys! You're getting you're getting high octane yeah, tonight." Yeah, you're getting it. And if you don't like it, even better. And for every Rocktoberfest, man, it's like there's... every 100 Rocktoberfests, there's two. Hanford's. Yeah, there's two two shows that you can actually. So now, yeah, now that we got the one that we shared together out of the way, you said you have one, and maybe have, two that I have a couple of bombs. What's that... the What's the one? That, what's the one that shook you? I'm guessing we'll record a couple yeah, of these together. I want to. Man, they're like equal to be honest, because both of them shook me in different ways, and ha- happened probably within the first two years. Of me actually doing stand-up, and, or starting stand-up, I should say. Okay. So this is when you were really running around up in Fresno. Yeah, so I was running around up in Fresno. And and that's how you started, is you won a comedy competition. I won a comedy competition I won, for $100 to start. to start, yeah. In Fresno. I always and then wanted, you won it multiple times, right? I, I, I started going to these open mics that had like $50 prizes on a weekly basis, yeah. and then I started winning them weekly. Because Fresno was kind of hopping back in the day for comedy, it right? It was like, when I started, it was like at the people, like the people that are still around were just getting into it, right? Okay. So it's like a good... St- and there were some elders. Yeah, well, not necessarily. There was like one or two that were like 
oh, they did this. They were on this show. They were on like they were on Comic View or whatever. But like yeah. there was a there was a huge gap. It's one of those credits. Is is Comic View like a credit that's not like Laughs on Fox? Yeah, it's yeah exactly. Like if you want to be on Laughs on Fox, just live in L.A. for six yeah, months. Yeah, you can be on Laughs. It on sounds Fox. great. Yeah, I mean, I would still take it. <laughs> but it's fun. I've been on shows in Los Angeles before where there's like fifteen of us on the bill and twelve of them were on Laughs. Oh, on Fox. I believe it. I <laughs> yeah. totally believe it. Um, the the scene was. Like if if I were to jump in that same scene today with those same people, everybody's very polished, yeah. And that scene is better for it. But mm-hmm. like at that time when it was starting out, it was one to two comics that actually had shows that ran open mics that were actually doing like the the grunt work and had been doing it for a little bit. Yeah. And then there was fifteen of us that are still doing comedy that now have been doing it for 10 years. But at that time where all of us were in our first Pretty year green. Yeah. and with that comes a lot of learning. And I started doing comedy because I wanted to try it. I would always wanted to do it. There's something about watching comedy and doing, not necessarily doing cause I didn't do it at the time, but like there's something about watching comedy to me that was very like nat- not natural. I, I'm trying to search for the words here. You just felt at home doing it watching it like what i mean by that is like i was always in awe of comedy like when i would watch it so when i started doing comedy i'd always been in awe of comedy because there was something about just a person standing there with the microphone and making like giving you a feeling making you laugh right uh making you think like there was something just always about that that I was always in awe. So do you still feel that, or are you kind of? I still to feel it, it man. Like, That's good. The thing is, is like not as many people make me feel that now. Sure. Because I can tell what's packaged. I can tell. You know the tricks. Yeah, like I know there's like this genuineness a comic has to have. Like it's like you're looking for something different. Right. And at the time, I remember, I would stay up at night to watch Jay Leno on the Tonight Show for the monologue. I didn't watch the guests. Right. I would just want to watch some monologue because he had jokes. And I and thought he did that one he every, was really yeah, funny. Night. And I would stay up, and I wasn't allowed to stay up that late, but I would put a, a cover over my head, and I had this really small TV, and I would put it on really low. Yeah. And I would be able to listen to the monologue that way, and nobody would know I'm actually watching TV or watching The Tonight Show. But I did that every night for, like, years watching Jay Leno do it. And I remember just being like, I, there's just something very raw about this that I just love. Like, right. he's telling jokes. And the first uh, the first comic I ever watched was Sinbad. And it was a Comedy Central special or maybe even a, a Showtime special. It was uh, like flip fl- Afros and Bell Bottoms. Okay. And I was, that was the first comedy I watched. And I remember just being like, what? Like, I didn't, what, what, this, what he was doing, he doing was so alien. Like, it was yeah. like. He was like pretending to have like the uh, the stereo on his shoulder. He was singing. He was talking <laughs> about his mom. He was talking about being a kid, and I was a kid at the time, so I related to all that. Like, right. and it's one of those things that, like, now looking back on it, like that writing is so beautiful because, like, if you're older, you relate to being a kid. If you're a kid, you relate to being a kid. And just the way he presented it all, I was just like, I want to do that. Like, right. I there was something about that that I was just drawn to. Yeah, and looking at it from not just like listening and laughing, but being like, why is that funny? Like, why do I think that's funny? Like, is it just that it's the joke is and something I put a lot of thought into now it's, is it what his voice is doing? Is it what 
the way he's moving? Is it the is way, it, yeah. like, is it all those extra things other than, like, sure. just what he's saying? And that's the things you look at for your own act. Yeah, yeah, when you get a laugh, you go, what are they Yeah, what at? are they laughing are at? Are the words enough, or is it my inflection? Yeah, and it's almost like the words become secondary to everything else, because it's like, I feel like you can always find the words. I feel like there's, a, the there's a million good joke writers, but there's 20 to 30 people that have Netflix specials that are that know how to put everything together right right and so i was always drawn to comedy because of that it's just the simple challenge of it it's just how do i take something that i thought of and present it in a fashion that it's funny right uh but it's in terms of my bomb like that's you get you get you bomb a lot like it happens all the time yeah and you have to you have to it's if you're if you're not bombing you're going to suck because you, you're limiting yourself. In order to create good material, you have to struggle with those ideas. And I think sometimes uh, I was actually thinking about this on the way over. And I was like, sometimes I think getting a following is actually one of the worst things that can happen yeah. to a comic. Oh, yeah. Because now you're performing in front of people. I mean, not that I actually I have that you, problem or anything. I can't tell you how many Instagram, YouTube stars I've performed with who they do fine. And if it's their audience, they're fine. But they're going to be an uphill battle. They're lost. Because, yeah, it, imagine imagine when you were when you won that competition. You're six weeks into comedy. And a two thousand seat theater comes out to see you perform, and you have to entertain exactly. them. Exactly, they're out to see you, so they're gonna laugh at what what you do. It's easy, but you're gonna you're gonna have to do some real low hang. You don't have the chops to put together a good act, so you're gonna have to stay on that baseline, and it's gonna be hard to go from that to thirteen person open mics to develop the act that it would take to really give them something special in that two thousand yeah. seat theater. So then you run into these people that you've been doing comedy five years. They've been doing comedy five years, but their 10 minutes is still one long, drawn-out fart joke that they're held prisoner by, Yeah, exactly. Basically. And it's... the That whole... Like, the writing, the, the performing, like, all that stuff, like, I absolutely... That's what draws me to comedy. Like, it's yeah. not... I, and I'm very particular myself about... And I'm bad about this, and I think you know this, if I feel a person's not doing it for the right reasons, like I get upset. Yes. And I get, I just, there's something about that, man, that I just, I don't, I feel that same disrespect that I feel like I get when my mic was cut off. Like I feel like that when I feel like people are in right. it for the wrong reasons, right? Like, does, does it ever make you feel bad when you give disrespect to someone else's thing? Especially since we're lifelong eye rollers, like when you're at the Renaissance Fair and you're like, Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> These people. Oh, fuck. Or when we do a comedy music open mic and someone gets up with a banjo. Oh, oh yeah. There was this one person at, a, at an open mic we used to do that was comedy music, all those things. Oh, and they know. would bring a cassette tape, not Radio Raheem style, but just a little cassette and they'd set it down and they'd play like an instrumental show tune thing and just kind of sing along to it in like this real dissonant and we'd be in the back going like oh god <laughs> wait am i next and then this guy would get up and sing acapella versions of like adele songs and all that and we would be in the back dying yeah, it's like it ruined like and all he's doing is chasing his dream doing too. what he loves and i'm so much more connected to that guy than i am to any corporate president that i'm currently working for 
However, when I'm in the room, God damn it, it's funny yeah, to it watch is. him try to belt it out is. ludicrous I acapella style. <laughs> <laughs> like, and like school children who are about to get in trouble, we have our heads down, shaking with laughter. And it's a 25-seat venue with all the lights on. And this poor fucking guy. Look at us. W- it, it, yep, and us trying not to look at him. And we're turning purple with yeah laughter. and then we get up there and we want everyone to listen to us and be and as now respectful but, but as don't possible. disrespect our yeah, craft don't disrespect yeah. what i'm trying to do i'm yeah. very bad about that our though. entire craft is disrespecting your yeah craft. exactly <laughs> <It is> look at <laughs> like I, yeah I'm, I'm hard about that stuff though, man and it's like something i've been trying to peel back on and it's something i know i need to work on because i i'm one of those people like once i once i draw a line in the sand i'm like you're over there and i'm over here yeah and it's it it takes a lot of time for me to bring them over, and I I don't know like I that's that has nothing to do with bombing. I'm off on a on a tangent. That's here. a good tangent. Yeah, though. it's a good tangent, but it's I I need to get better about that. So you started in Fresno and you won a comedy competition. W- your first. I won a comedy competition, and when I went up, I actually I want to say I won a comedy competition, but I want like, everyone else. But the reality it. is, uh, <laughs> the reality is, is uh, like a. A ghost of Mitch Hedberg one because like I had been wa- oh, I had been okay. listening to so much Hedberg at the time. Isn't it funny how little you are like Hedberg now? Like my first set, I was Bill Maher. Yeah, and like, <laughs> because that's all you know. Like you, I told yeah, I t- I still remember I told this joke. I heard that be- deer deer were being put on birth control, oh. and I had some punchline of like. Uh, deer were being put on birth control. How do they get the park ranger to get him to take it twice a day? <laughs> it was like, it was so, and you, I get goosebumps, douche chills thinking like about cringe. me doing it. Yeah, but so you Same were head thing. So I, I, I go up there and I'm doing like this. I mean, I wrote all my own material. Um, and I'm actually still pretty proud of that stuff I wrote because considering I'd never written First anything. Time. Um, I go up there and I do a bit about like global warming. I do a bit about George Bush like dodging that shoe or something. Yeah, uh, like really topical. <laughs> Very underrated move, yeah. by the way. If he was, <laughs> you remember like when Obama killed the fly because he's he's oh, liberal that Jesus. Now, if it, when Obama killed the fly during the interview, I was like, holy shit! I did not give enough respect to Bush dodging yeah, that shoe. He, that was way more yeah, impressive. and I so I do a bit about that. I do like just really like really low-hanging fruit like some of the stuff i'm proud of but like i did like i have a dream thing i did uh yeah like just really things but but that did lead to some of your more interesting bits today because you do take thematic things in a highbrow manner like that which is a rare thing and it started yeah and one of my favorite things to do actually is whenever i'm in a rut like you know whenever i'm in a writing rut is i take one of those old bits and i write it like i'm writing it now Right. Like I take, okay, that was a skeleton. That could have been the skeleton of something that I can do now. Yeah. And can I write around it and change it completely? Right. But it kind of keep the same theme. Um, but anyways, I was I went up and I I had seen a flyer at like this health fair or something, and it was a hundred dollars to the winner. And so I'm at my apartment, and it's like me, my roommate, and uh, some of the people that live next door, and we are just we get slammed. Like I'm drinking pop off. I am showing up, and we are. I'm, I pro. I'm. I'm surprised I even decided to go through with it. <laughs> um, and I go up, and people are laughing, and it feels good. I actually have a photo of it. I have a photo of everything. You have, I have a photo. A photo of you it. do. You're good with uh, the photos. I'm good with the photos. 
I didn't even have a fucking cell phone <laughs> at this point. <laughs> I was prepped. Uh, yeah. I go up and I win. And I'm like so proud. So proud of winning. And then what I do is typical like new comic thing. I go and I start <laughs> a whole new comic MySpace page oh, okay. of Joe Comedy. I'm People sending still doing emails that. to the San Jose Improv telling them I need a headline. Yep. Not, hey, when's your open mic? Yep. Not, hey, uh, what do I have to do to get my foot in the door? Nope. Hey, you need to have me headline your yep. show because I just won this $100 you know, comedy show at a pub and I was yeah. half drunk and sounding like Mitch Hedberg. Mm-hmm. And so like my first, I want to say like my first few times I had like a big Mitch Hedberg influence. Like gotcha. it was like pretty quick stuff. Like, yeah. you know, that same kind of like, eh, like that short stuff that Hedberg yeah. did. And uh, I started going to different open mics, and I eventually just kind of started meeting other comics and started writing my like started writing around who I was closer to. And some then. of those guys are working today. Yeah, some of those guys are still doing it. Yeah, and uh, like wor- like making a lip. Yeah, like mm-hmm. that's what they do. They do comedy. Right. And I was at the time I didn't know I was hindered by the fact that everywhere I went I did well, right? So it's like. I was winning these really small competitions at bars. I was winning spots on bigger showcases at um, a place called Ty Palms. And I was like, you would do like X amount of showcases. And then if you were good, they put you, uh, you did X amount of open mics. And if you did good for four open mics, they'd bring you to do like an actual booked show Okay. that was promoted. It was called the Knights of Comedy. I remember just being like, I just want to be on the Knights of Comedy. Like, that's it. Like, I, if I could get on the Knights of Comedy, like, that's a huge thing. And I got on the Knights of Comedy. Like, I did well. Like, I had no bumps in the road right. that I thought that I could see from my perspective. Looking back on it, I cringed because my jokes were my jokes were crappy. My but writing was crappy, you know? Yeah. And then uh, my first bomb came. Is this the one we're going to yeah, talk about? Yeah, so this is the one we're going to talk about. This is, this is the one. This is the one. And how long were you into comedy? I was maybe five, six months in. Okay. And I was doing so, well. So here's and and already being set up for a problem is if you're six months in before your first bomb, it's gonna it hurt. is yeah. And that's what I was that's what I was gonna get to is what hopefully happens is you bomb your second or third time and then that way your nerves are a bit steeled towards it. But what often happens is someone will show up and they'll bring their entire family out for a good three weeks. And you kill with your family, and everyone in your family, they're only out to see you. So so everyone else sucks to them, and you go up, and you're saying things into a microphone. So you come off, and they go, oh, my God, you were, you're the funniest one yeah. there. None of the other guys are even, you're the one who's good, and you just started. But after three weeks, they get tired of it. They stop coming. All of a sudden, it's not cute. All of a sudden, they're not there. And then you get up on stage for the first time without your support system to people who don't have a reason to care about you, and you eat shit. And you either keep going, learn from it, or you stop. But you were doing well for five to six five months. Five to six months. And I was doing is... well in in comedy rooms. So, like, that's... So you didn't even really so your your introduction to comedy was TV obviously and then you were doing Thai Palms which from everything I heard was a great venue oh, it was beautiful. and you're doing competitions where people are set up to do well and everyone brings out their friends to cheer yep. for them so you don't even really know what a bomb's going to be like no you idea. have no idea this is coming absolutely no idea so 
what happened was I had been doing shows. I had been doing mics everywhere. And a lot of it is in front of a college-aged people. And this is pre-YouTube, at least what it is now. Yeah, no, not so you don't have you. You have no idea. Nope. No, I have no so idea what I'm walking into. I was funny last week. Why wouldn't I be funny tonight? To me, I was the next George Lopez. Yeah. I was I was like on fire. Of course. I was the person people had to pay attention to because I was doing well everywhere I went. And from Thai Palms to the school was calling me to host shows like for In all confidence. In all confidence. They were sending me checks. Yeah. Like I thought I was doing like, well. Your confidence had to be through the roof. Oh. There there was probably no hint of like you didn't, you never. It would be like I was a superstar. It'd be like if you were a basketball player and never saw the ball go out of the basket. Exactly. You you didn't even know that could I was happen on at fire. this point. I I had, in my head there was no way, I didn't know what a bomb was. Exactly. Like, because everywhere I went was <laughs> a place I was conducive to people laughing. Right. Like right. Ty Palms had like a great reputation. Yeah. Um, they had a lot of comics showing up and they had a lot of the same crowds showing up all the time and they were always laughing. They were always respectful. <laughs> and I was doing like college gigs and I related to the com to not the comics, the college students. Right. I was a college you student. Were a college so student. like I was and it you was a, a lot of my friends. And those college gigs, a lot of times all you gotta do is go freshman. Yeah. And right. <laughs> and and I didn't realize it at the time, but it was mostly my friends. Like, if there was something I was hosting, it was like all my neighbors were showing up. Everybody I went to, I had classes with. Like, you have a huge support system, even if it's not family. Like, all your friends are showing up because you're the guy that does comedy. Like, it's like unique. It's like cool. That it's like is fun, exciting. right? Yeah. And you're good at it, at, as far as I know. Yeah. Um, so, what happened was another comic. Sorry to interrupt, but I remember the first time I heard someone not on TV was doing stand-up comedy, and it was like when you were in elementary school and you found out one of your classmates was doing karate. <laughs> you were like, oh, what? Hey, oh, he must have this weird funniness. Like, remember when you found out a friend was doing comedy and you thought, or karate, and you thought they could sense you behind them? And yeah, like you, you were like, oh, they shit? they have it down. They're when you heard they did <laughs> comedy, like I just thought they were they were anointed with some kind of fun yeah. so you were that guy I was for that your friend. Guy. Yeah. and i was i i had a, a huge head man like a really <laughs> like in a disrespectful way right a big head burp, yeah like if you will <laughs> if i showed up man i thought i was always the best comic in the room like there was like a like a a confidence that i had then that for why would yeah. you you were you were about to headline the San Jose Empire. Yeah, I was I was These sending out emails, I was doing my own thing. Type palms, yeah. I I was a superstar in my own head, man. And to me it was like I'm the I'm somebody to watch. Like I'm you know, I'm the I'm the <laughs> right. I'm the kid. <laughs> right. Like I'm the the karate the, kid, man. Like I'm, I'm the, coming you're up. You're Eddie Murphy. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, just record me cuz that's going to be worth money someday. Did SNL call yet? Weird. Yeah, well, <laughs> Um so I I get called uh, one of the other local comics had been doing a couple of shows at a casino, and it was. Is it the one they still do them at, like Chuck Chancy? It's not it Chuck Chancy. It's actually a little bit down the road. It's um, a casino in Lemoore, uh, called Tachi Palace. It's so funny that they still have the same. 
process. Yeah, it's still the it's, same. Like it's thing. a couple of competitions that leads to the big casino gig and then quiet for yeah, a while. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's That's hilarious. That that hasn't changed. Up That's there. hilarious. Um, okay. So I get a call from this comic and he's like, "Hey, I got asked to do this gig and I can't make it." And they mm. asked me, "Who's the funniest comic that you know?" Oh no! So that you can make it. So your dick is just it. swinging into this and building. And so of course I'm like, "Oh yeah!" So you're gonna ask me? Obviously, that's why you called me. I'm the funniest Not, comic you know. And I don't know this story, but I just know how comedians are, and especially those old guard comedians and some that we're very good friends with, love nothing more than to limit you into a box oh, yeah. and cut your legs out. So what did this he say? Is, so? He, 50 bucks. It's $50. Yeah. It's a casino gig. They're going to pay you in chips. Okay. You take those also, chips. You don't spend them. You don't give them back their money. You invest you you take it, you cash it out, you get out of there. Okay. And he's. Like, I thought you were gonna say. I thought you were gonna say they wanted. To, they asked me to to recommend the funniest person in Fresno, and they was gonna say I asked blank, but he said no. no so no. I asked you. Okay. Uh, he said he couldn't make it. Uh, See, that's what it was. <laughs> okay, there it is. I can't make it. There it is. That's so the double. So they told whammy. me to recommend. That's that, the double whammy. Yeah, so you get me. to not only do I get to take a shit on you, but I get to in a phony way yeah, elevate myself. Yeah, I get to myself. elevate what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, and of course, man, I'm the kid. I'm the I'm the guy. You know, I bring yeah. spunk to the show. I'm I'm the guy. Exactly. I'm, I'm hot at the time. And uh, <laughs> I got so some I heat thought, on. Yeah. And so, I kid you not, I went back to and he says it's tonight. It's at eight o'clock. Can you make it? Actually, it wasn't even at eight o'clock. I take that back. It was like a seven o'clock show. And it was during the time of the year when seven o'clock there was still a decent amount of light out. Like it's not like a short day kind of situation. And he says there's two shows. You're gonna do a seven o'clock or whatever the time was, and then there's a second show. Oh shit. So you're gonna do both. And I said, Okay, fine. And already know what you know now about late shows, there's gonna be something to get and ready for. If there's for. two shows it, like Unless it's like a like you know, Tembler does two shows, but it's yes. like two shows at Tembler. But even still, that second show is always a little weird yeah. at the start. Both are weird. Well, yeah. I'll get to that show in a minute. Yeah. So I, I don't even look at notes. Like yeah. I go back to my apartment. I post huh. on MySpace, and I'm about to be at the, on a on a casino gig. Right. I didn't yeah. even ask who I was opening for. They said I was opening, and I was like, I, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who it is. I'm, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm the show. Just yeah. full of confidence, man. Right. And hey, Stick around for your yeah. headliner, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, take the, I take the drive out there. It's about a 45, 45 to an hour drive um, hmm. in my little stick shift truck. Oh, okay. And so this is also going to be your first long yeah, ride Yeah, long ride back, man. Well, I mean, it, it could have been longer. Um, I wish it was longer. But I I show up, and up until this point, I had been doing things that are at Thai Palms, at the pub, at my school. Like right. It's like all these places that are small. Home games. People are there to watch comedy. Yeah. Uh, they know you're going to be there. It's going to be my network. It's going to be my friends. It's going to be the comics I work with on a regular basis. It's going to be um, people I know, like just right. in general. Like I'm going to be comfortable, right? Like I walk into every place I did comedy, and I was comfortable. I walked in, and this casino is like <laughs> thirty thousand square feet, right? Like it is yeah. a huge casino. <laughs> yeah. It is four. It's four stories, right? And I walk in, and I'm like, "Where's the showroom? 
Yeah. Where's Where's your theater? Where I'm here. I'm doing the show. Where's, you know, where's your, where's where are all the people? Where's Where's everybody packed in at? You know, where can I? Where's my green room? And it is in the lobby. Of the casino. In the lobby where they give aw- where they give away free drinks, so you can walk in, you can no. grab a free drink, and it is a like a hotel lobby. Now, when you found out it was in the lobby, how did what did you feel? Did you did your spidey sense tingle or did a little you, bit? Did you get nervous? I felt. Was the first time you felt nervous? I felt since a little your nervous. first competition. It's the first time where I was like. I don't know what it's what's about to happen. Something doesn't yeah, seem like right. Yeah, like like a little bit of unease kind of sat over me, and I was like, "Okay, where where's the stage?" Yeah. And they were like, "Well, you see that corner." This is That's the first gig. The stage. This is the first gig that was no stage. Was stage nothing. is the floor. Stage was the floor. Stage is exactly where you're standing. That's right. Where's my mic? Oh, they're we're they're working. they're bringing it out. We're working. Yeah, on we're it. working on it. They're gonna <laughs> bring it out. Um, who do I like? you know where where do people come in oh they just come in and out they just they <laughs> oh can, no you know if they get tired of gambling they can come so you over. can hear the slots on the table games you can hear the slots you can hear people yelling out bingo there's a batting cage <laughs> 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 Ping! yeah uh, it is and for the first time i don't know what i got myself into like i'm i sit and there's down, no one with you there's nobody with me it's just me so there's not even somebody to bounce like kind of nervousness with. Yeah, it's just me. I'm on an island. I'm by myself. I don't even know who's headlining the gig. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who the other comics are. I don't know anything. Like I just, in a in a bout of confidence, just took the gig, flew out, and thought I was gonna kill. Light's still out. Like it is still. Oh, it's, it's still daytime. It's still daytime, and behind the corner is actually just mirror, not mirror, uh, window. So oh, it's a tinted window, no. but you can see cars, wa- like old people walking by on their way to the casino. Yeah. And it is a lobby in the true sense of there's really nowhere to sit. Like there's a couple of uh, like comfy chairs. There's like a, like a, like center tables. Yeah. But it's not what you would. It's not for using. Yeah, it's it's gonna be like this no. is where you kind of think about all the money you you lost before you know you think of your lies when you get home. You sit there to figure out how you're gonna send your kid yeah, to exactly. community college. You have to figure it out. How am I sending my kid to college now? It is it is a lobby of dredge, is what it is. When you walked in, did you see any signs of the show anywhere, or was it, or was there any? If you were the general customer base. Was there any indication that there would be a comedy show? There was no sign. That's what I thought. There was no sign. There was nobody directing you to a comedy show. There was no posters. No speakers. There was nothing. They didn't have a mic out. Like, nothing. No mic. Like, they had... uh, It was a lobby, right? And I was thinking I was going to walk into, like, a small theater. So this isn't a comedy show. This is carnival barking. It is just, like... I've seen more people line up for to buy timeshares than more people showed up <laughs> yeah. in this lobby. Yeah. And I show up and I like I said I hadn't even asked who the headliner was. I was just, okay, tell me when I'm going to go up. And then all of a sudden so, I pull out my little paper, my little pen and I'm like, "Oh crap, like I need to start writing something now. Like I need uh, to get my set list." All of a sudden I'm thinking I need to do work. So if you're if your confidence was at 100 before you walked in, 
Once you're at this point, what's your confidence at? It now? was 100 when I walked in. It was about 80 when they told me he was in the lobby. It was about 60 when they told me they didn't have a mic. <laughs> and when they told you it was in the lobby, were you looking at the lobby? Yeah. Well. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was. I was like. You were in. I was the... in the lobby. Like. <laughs> I was on. Yeah, stage. I was already. I was, I was already on stage. I was exactly where I needed to be. You walked in on stage. Yeah. Technically. And the stage is huge. And there's there's no host. No. There's no host at all. Like there's nobody to come out and greet you and be like, "Hey, you're on the show tonight." And you've never hosted. No. At this point, I hadn't hosted, and I was literally just sitting in one of the chairs in the lobby writing down my set. But your confidence still at a sixty. I'm I, I'm feeling okay. I'm feeling okay. like okay, I can get through this. I I got the jokes. Once they hear my comedy, yeah. we'll be fine. And at some point, I was thinking. I'm going to blow the headliner out of the water. Oh, how's he going to follow yeah, this? Yeah, like I'm thinking they're going to pay me to come back, and I'm going to be headlining this thing, and I'm going to bring one of my friends with me, and they'll open for me. These like suckers. I was just trying to steal. They have no yeah, idea they what have they no did. Idea, especially since I didn't know who was. I didn't even have. I didn't ask who was headlining. Was it Sinbad? <laughs> <laughs> it was George Lopez. God damn it. Uh, and so I'm sitting in the lobby, and I'm getting ready, and... It you know the time rolls around for it's showtime. There's like nobody there, and <laughs> four four ladies walk in. Ladies, ladies walk in and they sit down right right in front of where they they had set down the mic. So the mic is five feet away from the ladies that sat down. And these are what you would if you had to picture in your head what a middle aged gambling addict looks like, smoker. Red hair, you know, like the big red uh, middle aged, hair. yeah, middle aged, but they've lived longer. Lived in, <laughs> lived in Lamar. Yeah, uh, it's been a long fifty years. Yeah, and they're regulars, right? Like they know where the comedy shows are. They know where. Oh, the, they know they where to do. get the free drinks. Like yeah. they know everything. They're every comedian's made a joke about banging yeah, them. Yeah, and it's like they. That's why they come back. <laughs> that's Got to got to make them feel good. And so those four ladies sat down, and I was like, okay, I have a crowd. I'm gonna kill it. I'm gonna be fine. I, as long as I, I was afraid to and go up right with up nobody, front. and they're, and they're right, right up front. front. And so I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna kill. I'm gonna be fine. I'm gonna do okay." And I still have no idea who the headliner is. I go to the bar guy, the guy at the bar, and the bar is right on the side of the microphone. And I go, "Hey, I think it's supposed to be time to start." And he goes, "Okay, then." Start. <laughs> <laughs> is there TVs on and music There's on TVs, and shit? TVs and like I said, the biggest thing is like you can hear people gambling. And the bar's next to the stage, so when someone orders a drink, We're they order right over there. you. Like, I'm, I could, I think I ordered a stay a, a drink from where I was standing. And people have no social graces about that. If there's a show going on and they go to the bar, yeah, exactly. They, 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 they didn't care. No, they never do. No, never. And so I go. No up, one's ever gone up to the bar and gone. No, it. It's oh, how's, how's the night going? Is it busy? It's it was brutal, and it was everything you you don't want to walk into. Uh, now looking back on it, so I I go and I I did exactly what he asked me to do. I started the show. I was supposed to do twenty minutes. How'd you start? Like what? It, literally, what are the words you said to kick this thing? I go up? and I grab the mic and I said, 
All right, who's ready for some comedy? Oh, And then the ladies look at me, and they were not ready for some comedy. (laughs) (laughs) Despite the fact that they turned out, they were not yet ready. And at this point, we have the four ladies in the front. We have about three or four people, like, off to the side. One guy at the bar is listening, and then there's this guy in the back of the bar who's wearing, and I can still picture it to this day, he's wearing a black leather jacket. He's full of gray hair. He has glasses on, and he is sitting next to one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen in my life. And in your brain, this is the agent just re- ready to take you to Hollywood. No, to me, I'm like, this This is the this guy, he's obviously some kind of baller, right? And he looks like one of the guys that would wear uh, like the Saints bedazzled pants you talk about, right? Like, Designer jeans Yeah, guy. like this guy got her because he's obviously rich or something right he owns he he started affliction yeah and he's like trying to be young this guy's name is ed hardy (laughs) it's it's a summer in fresno and you have a leather jacket on (laughs) right and so i'm like Uh, okay what a love story a summer in fresno (laughs) (laughs) and in my head i was like that stuck out to me because like like i said like the woman this guy was with i was like didn't belong there didn't you know she was not more material at all and at the time i'm like you know i'm young so i'm like whoa like this i'm gonna she's gonna uh, leave yeah i'm gonna me. kill it she's gonna want to come with me it's gonna be great hope he's not a mob guy <laughs> and, she's gonna... uh, <laughs> i go up and i start I, I rattle off one joke and i get nothing like absolutely nothing i tell it it might have been the bush joke thing um i think a celebrity had just died uh, like okay. that day and I yeah. did something about a dead celebrity. <laughs> yep. And the lady in the front, the ladies in the front, don't laugh. Guy in the leather, sh- guy in the leather jacket, laughs his ass off. Right. <laughs> okay. So he's on board. He's on board. And I'm like, okay, okay. Like I got one. He, ladies probably in the him front, that him. still not giving me anything. They're still just couldn't care less, right? I could have been telling them I'm going to commit suicide. They, they had no. Just disinterested. Just, yeah, they didn't care. And I tell another joke, nothing, right? Absolutely nothing other than guy in the back, leather jacket, laughing his ass off, right? His his girl's not laughing. His girl's not laughing. He's laughing his ass off, though, right? So I'm like, okay, I'm doing okay. And then I made a mistake. And this is a huge mistake. They weren't giving me what I wanted, so I got mad at them, Uh right? So I started poking fun of the ladies in front of me okay one of which got up and said you're just not fucking funny <laughs> and then just walked right out yeah and i am shook now you just lost 20 percent of your crowd yeah i lost yeah i lost one big baller gambler lady she got up and left and not only that but she pointed right at my face like she was five feet away from me this is the first time you've been told you're not funny ever mm-hmm Right in my face, pointed at me, right? I could still see, like, the, the casino chips in her hand and when at she this was point, pointing. She's been to more shows than yeah, you have. Yeah, she knows. She knew exactly what she was walking into. And I do not recover at all. It is, And that's, like, four or five minutes in. Spiral. It is just going How much time down. did you do? I did the whole, I think it was 20. Oh, fuck. But the whole time, I'm, like, looking at the bartender, and I am shook bartender like, not making eye contact no, he's just like bartender's like angry well, that you're not doing i'm better. sure it's not the bartender's first time not you know seeing somebody Probably. struggle right um 
And for some reason, my instinct was the guy in the back's laughing, but I can make fun of him, right? And so, like, that's automatically, you don't want to do that. Especially not five months in, because he's with a beautiful woman. At five months in, you're probably not ready to make fun of him, but get him home safe. And not only that, he's the only guy. Make him the winner. When you make fun of that guy, you got to make him the winner. Yeah, and he's giving me, he's the only person giving me anything, right? He's all you got. And I remember, like, it was on the tip of my tongue. Like, okay, I'm going to let this guy have it, right? Because he's easy. He's wearing a leather (laughs) jacket in Fresno. He mm-hmm. has one of the hottest girls I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. And he has a distinct laugh. He's in the back. I can easily point him out and get something, right? I can't, I had 15 minutes of material. I'm doing 20. I did all of it in five minutes. I got nothing. Well, now a third of the crowd is with him. Yeah. So he, him, yeah. <laughs> and so the only thing that actually is that I can take away from that was I didn't do it. I didn't make fun of him. Good. I he he still kept laughing even when I was, you know, I was doing terrible. Right. And in the back of my head, the only thing I kept thinking was, I am never doing this again. And I'm not saying I'm never doing this casino gig. I'm not saying I'm never driving out to Lamore and doing this again. I'm not saying I'm never doing a show in a lobby again. I'm saying I am never doing comedy again <laughs> this is my last time as soon as i'm off this stage yeah i've learned my lesson exit floor this left shit is not for me yeah. and uh and so i get through my 20 minutes there's no light like i just have to feel it out and okay yeah. is this 20 minutes right i stopped i got off stage right mm-hmm. and then this guy comes like the the bartender guy he actually came from behind the bar and he's like, hey, you have to introduce the headliner. And I said, all right, who's the headliner? And he said, his name is Jason Collings. And I said, okay. And he said, just just call him up. And I'm like, I don't even know where this guy's at. Yeah. Right? I'm thinking he's going to come from behind me. I'm thinking, I don't know where this dude is. So I, right. I say, all right, give it up for your next act, Jason Collings. Guy in the leather jacket stands up. Oh, shit. Comes to grab the mic. Does an hour and absolutely (laughs) kills it. Oh, no. Kills it for the whole hour. No. (laughs) And I almost went at him. So now, but also now you know the laugh was fake. Yeah, now I know. Yeah, it was just... He was trying to help me out to help himself out because he yes. wanted people laughing. Now so you know even the laugh you got was wasn't fake. yours. It wasn't real. It, it wasn't was the yours. Andrew Boydston laugh at everything, be oh, courteous about damn it. it. And he annihilated four ladies. He's getting people from from the lobby who are walking in to just stop. To just stop, go in the lobby and listen to the comedy show. He is killing it. He's talking about his kids. He's talking about dating this dude was super polished so how many people were in the room when he finished when he finished there was probably about 20 when i ended there was like six oh, okay and i remember leaving that show so he he comes off stage he pulls me to the side he's like hey man i like your stuff um don't don't call people out he's like just do your jokes He's like, I know. He's like, I know it didn't go well. 
He's like, but you're good. He's like, dude, you're funny. He's like, you yeah. are funny. He's like, just go up there. He's like, um, we're running tight. So on this next one, you're going to do 10. Oh, you got another show. <laughs> so you got another show. Oh, you have another show. So he's like, you're going to do 10, right? I'm going to get the guy from the bar to intro you. Okay. And we're going to do this whole thing again. Was it this basically the same crowd? <laughs> no, like, yeah, kind of. Like, so, like, the people. Did the ladies stay? The, the ladies, yeah, because it was his girlfriend. No, no, no. I mean, the four oh, ladies. Oh, no, they, they left kind of, like, a little okay. bit in between Jason Collins' set. Um, but people stood because they were, like, calling people over to watch the second show so they could yeah. watch Jason Collins for the second show. Right. But they cut my time from 20 to 10. And on the second round, I did okay. I did okay because I felt like, all right, this guy set up the fact that, like, people are going to be laughing. They're here for a show. Um, he was funny, so I was just really riding off of his energy. Okay. But I left that casino that night, and I remember I had a um, a Voss water, which is like a water that comes in a glass. Slammed it on the floor outside of the casino. You're a slammer. Got in my truck, and I said, I am never doing comedy again. I quit. Ever. I remember, um, I almost, it's like the, probably the only time in my life comedy made me emotional. Like, I was like, oh shit, I'm going to cry. <laughs> like, I, I'm never doing this and I have no idea what I'm going to do with the rest of my life because I was going to do comedy. Yeah. And I left and it took me about three weeks before I got up again, before I was able to actually uh-huh. come back from that. But any, if you learn anything, it's. What brought you back? the same thing that brings me back every time man it's just that it's in your yeah bones. it's i can't i can't not do it i'm looking up jason collings to see what he's doing right now oh jason collings has been on uh he went on to be on conan o'brien he's done he's a, all over the place yeah, he's tonight show gotham comic view vh1 you guys have basically had the same career since then. yeah yeah we, <laughs> same uh career trajectory we should go see him and and dress like he did that night oh he's a killer that guy and then just I wonder if he would remember you. No. You don't think so? No, I don't think so. I mean, this was... He's at Flappers on December 7th. This was 10 years ago. And there's... I, I would I would put money on the fact that he doesn't remember me. He probably remembers the show, but there's no way in hell he's going to remember me. If you just said, uh, explained the opener, <laughs> yeah. you might know that. Hey, remember that? Uh, but here I am, like, the only thing I salvaged from that was that I am glad I didn't go at him. Because he would have murdered me. Oh, yeah. Right? I had to stick around for, for a an second hour. show. For an yeah. hour, you would have made a prick out of you. And I had to stick around for a second show and open for a guy who would have possibly murdered me. Well, he wouldn't have let... He, he might not yeah, have Yeah, I might not even... If you have, pissed him yeah. off enough, he would just... I didn't even take the $50. I left. As soon as I got... Because I had to stick around to the end of the second show to actually, you know, get paid. And I didn't. I left my $50 there. Did you tell anybody how badly it went? Oh yeah, you told everyone. Yeah, I mean, well, I told my comic friends. Like you I did. didn't tell my family, right? Because my but family you did. thinks I'm the next George Lopez. Like, but you did tell the comic friends. Oh yeah, I told them. And what did they? Were they supportive, or did they say, "Yeah, that's about right"? Nah, it was one of those things when people tell you they did, but nah, it's. I'm sure you did fine. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> I'm sure yeah, it was fine. That's supportive. And it's like, no, it wasn't. It really wasn't fine. I almost quit. I almost <laughs> never did this again, and that was probably my worst. My, I would say up there with my worst bomb. I think it was probably. It was the most hurtful. Yeah, and it's the bomb that like I learned the most from. I think. 
Okay. I learned that you're it's not you're not always going to be doing comedy in ideal situations, right? Up until then, I didn't know that. Every time I showed up to something, it was you know comedy club environment. Even if it wasn't a comedy club, I learned don't pick at the only people that are at the show, right? Because that's they're they're all you have, yeah. right? I also learned not to be an asshole. Like, just, you shouldn't call, you know, like, I was being mean to those people. It is hard not to get angry at them on a show like that, even though you know, you're more appreciative of them, because, but you do, there is some kind of gut visceral reaction that you walk out and you want to go, why aren't you more people? What I've learned, though, is I get, I get upset at, at, uh, at the higher ups. Right, it's never the audience. It's right. who put me in this situation. The casino right. did, right? right? Who got us to Rocktoberfest? The radio station did, right? <laughs> like who? Like it's, it's like I don't blame. We're in this together. Cindy at Rocktoberfest for you know booing me. We both want to leave. Yeah, we both. You know, we're just in this. We can't. We're in this together, me and her, right? Like, yeah. So I learned it really. Like I, I, I pulled out of that. Just a, I'm not that good. Right at that time, I was just. And what a great lesson to learn! Yeah, and it's it was humbling. Like I. To learn that there was someone out there that much better, what oh, a great lesson to learn. The gap, I would say, like the gap between him and I at that time, um, it was. And what a rewarding feeling it probably was to have what he did that night in the back of your mind, to a couple of years from that point, the first time you did something like he did, and you went, okay, I can do that now. Yeah, like I, I would have, lo- I would love to go back and have, and you know, the tools in my tool belt that I do now, and go back and actually do that same show. I think I would have been successful. If you got asked to do that, you'd say yes. Oh yeah, I think now. <laughs> well, I think you grow from being in oh. situations like that, right? Because what I've learned since then is that most comedy is not in ideal situations so you have to learn to fight through that and be funny and if you can be funny in those situations those easy situations are going to be a lot easier right like but there's always like that is it too easy like so what you're saying is you will do the next wayne gretzky oh, classic I'll do you it. heard it here folks shoot me been- in i'm there this was the Bomb Diaries. That's Joe Alanese's first Bomb Diary. I'm sure we'll get him back for a lot. Thank you very much for, you, for doing sir. this, Joe. I appreciate you doing the inaugural episode. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Some get shot, locked down, and turn nuts. Cowardly hearts and straight up shook one, shook one. He ain't a crook, son. He just shook one.